Good morning. It's Monday, February 15th, and you're listening to College Football Daily. My name is Chris Hummer, subbing in for Trey Scott. This is President's Day, so we recorded this episode ahead of time and landed on the perfect evergreen topic, national title odds and updated tw- top 25 rankings. Yup, the excitement is palpable when discussing still too early top 25s. To help me uh, out today and carrying the load a little bit on the podcast is my friend and national college football writer, Brad Crawford. Uh, we're going to hop right into it with some national title odds. Brad, I'm going to read down the list of teams with the 13 best odds, and I just want you to stop me if you hear a team you think has great value. The 13th best odds belong to North Carolina at plus 3,500. USC checks in at plus 3,000. LSU at plus 3,000 is where I kind of want to stop real quick. I don't know about you, Brad, but I wrote about this topic last week on 247sports.com. I think LSU, which brings back pretty much everybody, including Miles Brennan, who was hurt for most of last year, has a real as a real chance to make some noise this year. How are you feeling about the Tigers? And the thing about LSU too, Chris, is they have depth at quarterback as well. If for some reason Brennan did not win the job or or he got hurt early this fall, I mean, there's two guys behind him now who have experience in big games, and Max Johnson played pretty well late in the year last year. So I like the LSU pick. They're a team that we'll talk about a little bit later that I probably had undervalued a bit in my preseason top 25. I've, I've changed that, but – I don't, I don't see the Tigers going 5-5 five and five again. I think Coach O has made some pretty good hires, had some much-needed vacancies and, and, and some coaching changes. So um, LSU's a team that I think is well-deserving of a top-20 preseason bid. Yeah, I realize how bad this season went for LSU, but I, I don't think people just realize how much LSU lost from the national championship team. Yeah. By the end of kind of the offseason, LSU was missing 18 starters, essentially, off the national championship team, and then they lost more in the middle of the season with Eric Gilbert and Terrence Marshall opting out. They're two best receivers, at least midway through the season. LSU's still a top five team in terms of talent. There's the potential for the SEC West to be a bit down this year. Alabama has to replace a lot. Texas A&M has a quarterback change. Auburn's changing head coaches. There's an opportunity for LSU to kind of climb back into the mix. And I think with essentially the 11th best odds nationally, LSU is a good value if you're looking to place kind of a long shot bet for national championship. Like the money is there, the money is right. And that's a bet that I think you could hit on. Kind of moving off LSU, a team with better odds is Texas at plus 2,800. I personally wouldn't touch that in Steve Sarkeesian's first year. And I think that kind of exemplifies the value you get from LSU a little bit. Um, But moving off of that, Iowa State checks in at plus 2,500. Notre Dame at plus 2,500 as well. I would caution people to stay away from that. Then you have Florida at plus 2,500. You have Texas A&M at plus 2,000. I think, Brad, Texas A&M was a team you wanted to talk about. Yeah, that's sort of a team that jumps out at me at at plus 2,000, which I think on the list is six best odds. You know, Jimbo Fisher's program made that, you know, obvious monumental leap last season, I think. And there's a chance the Aggies could be even better next fall. You know, Chris, you mentioned a few minutes ago that have a new quarterback and, you know, he might wind up being a better passing type than than Kellen Mond. I know sometimes Kellen Mond, you know, despite being a multi-year starter and won a lot of games in College Station, you know, he made some frustrating plays at times with his arm. And every now and then the A&M offense – I think was limited with Kellen back there. So they, they might be better at quarterback. And there's several veterans back on defense, too, that, you know, the coaching staff feels really good about. So I think a and schedule, you know, despite obviously having to go through that landmine, you know, grind in the SEC West, getting Alabama in, in a good spot is going to be key. Obviously, that's a game that last season it kept the Aggies out of the Final Four, just missed it by a spot, and, you know, that they had that good bowl win. So A&M's a team at, at plus 2,000, six best odds. I wouldn't mind laying a – you know, 100 bucks or two on the Aggies. 
Yeah, and, and talking about the quarterback, Haynes King, who was a four-star passer in the 2020 class, is kind of the odds-on favorite in College Station to win that job. He was a guy, at least midway, kind of through his junior offseason that we thought could end up being a five-star. He's a really elite athlete. He's actually probably faster than Kellen Mond is. He's a 4-5 guy, essentially a four-second shuttle, 37-inch vertical. He's a really good athlete at the quarterback position. I, I follow Texas high school recruiting pretty closely, given where I live. He just really struggled as a senior. Almost his entire team from his junior year left after they won a state title. Um, he came down to earth a little bit. I don't think he finished as high in the rankings as many people thought he would. But if they can kind of capture Haynes King's tools next season, I do agree that Haynes King has a better ceiling than Kellen Mond. And potentially that helps A&M raise its own ceiling. Uh, Jimbo Fisher hasn't had that superstar quarterback in a while and perhaps Haynes King could be that guy. Another team you want to talk about, I believe with the fourth best odds or fifth best odds is Georgia at plus 1000. Uh, Brad, what are you thinking about the Bulldogs? Yeah. If I had to make one early bet here in February, I think in search of the biggest return, obviously Bam is my preseason pick to, to win it again with Bryce Young at quarterback, but that's, that's only plus 300. It's, it's going to get you about, you know, three times your money. So if you look at Georgia at, at plus 1000, I think the dogs at, at that number is pretty solid. Let's face it, man. Kirby Smart is due. Dogs have recruited at an elite level, and they finally have a quarterback, I think, that you know most believe can beat you with his arm and, and his ability outside the pocket. JT Daniels, James Cook, Zamir White, George Pickens, I mean, those are all highly recruited elite-level guys, and, and Georgia has them all back. You know, they're, they're loaded on offense. You know, they, they get a really good test in that open game against Clemson. And I was telling somebody the other day on Twitter, Chris, that, you know, even with a loss to Clemson in that opener, Georgia runs the table. They're, they're undoubtedly in the playoff. And, and that's one of those games, too, that if Georgia's able to win that in week one against the Tigers, then that's a game that sort of acts as a mulligan during the SEC play. If, you know, they, they lose a the game maybe they aren't supposed to, they could still, you know, possibly have two SEC teams in the playoff. And Georgia has that, has that quality win against the Tigers. Yeah, I'm not quite as high on Georgia as I think you are, but I do agree that if you're looking for value and when you're betting, like value is the most important thing. Like, as you said, getting three times your money for Alabama is a pretty risky bet this offseason, especially when you consider everything Alabama is losing. But if you can get 10 times your money on Georgia, that's not bad. I would argue strongly that there's only five teams heading into next season that I would consider legitimate national title threats. Georgia, Oklahoma, Clemson, Ohio State, Alabama kind of the same old crew just because oh, of the yeah. talent accrued and Georgia also, coming in with the lowest odds on that makes them pretty good value. when you kind of look at these odds. So I do agree with you there. If you're looking to place a flyer bet, Georgia's not a bad place to look moving on Oklahoma plus 800 with the fourth best odds, Ohio state at plus 700 with the third best odds Clemson at plus 400 with the second best odds. And unsurprisingly you're defending national championship, defending national champion Crimson Tide with the best odds at plus 300. Personally, I would not touch that this offseason. I think Alabama has to replace a lot. I have Alabama as my preseason number one team, but I do have plenty of questions about the Tide, and I think next year is going to be a little more competitive at the top than what we saw this season. But speaking of the top, last week, 24-7 Sports released its most recently updated way too early top 25. It's a compilation of a couple of the national college football writers, including Brad and myself and our votes. It's great uh, kind of preseason content fodder. People love talking about it. I'm going to briefly run down the top 10 of that top 25 list. And then Brad and I are going to talk about a couple of the teams that really changed in our ballots over the course of the last month after NFL draft declarations, transfers, and a couple other notable things that happened. Uh, Number one is Alabama received all six first place votes. 
Oklahoma checked in at number two. Clemson checked in at number three. Ohio State's number four after previously ranking number five. Georgia drops from four to five. Iowa State checks in at number six. North Carolina at number seven. Texas A&M at number eight. Florida at number nine. And Notre Dame at number 10. Of that group or of anybody in the rest of our top 25, is there a team you want to spotlight as having changed your vote a lot based on what you found out over the last month about kind of personnel decisions? Yeah, as far as teams just outside the top 10, Chris, LSU is a team that I rose about 10 spots in my initial rankings. You know, kind of taking a closer dive at the roster, what they have coming back, I think it's 20 total starters, which is very impressive. So I, I've got LSU 14th on my list. Coastal Carolina is a team that I think I may have skewed our, our six voters' polls because I, I've got the chance to clear as ninth, and that's by far the highest of our six voters. I think they're around maybe 22, 23 range. But one thing about Coastal Carolina that I really like as a preseason top 10 team, and, and I was a little bit hesitant on this, but that NCAA blanket waiver from last season, I think Coastal has 21 out of 22 starters back, including quarterback Grayson McCall, who I think is probably the best G5 quarterback returning, in my opinion. A lot of those guys are seniors, multi-year starters, and a program like Coastal, let's face it, those guys are not going to the league. So, I mean, you're going to have at some positions, man, you know, two- and three-year starter guys just coming off a one-loss season. So Coastal is probably a, you know, ten-and-a-half win total for next season if they play a full schedule. And I think you bet the over and and probably a team that finishes, you know, inside that top 15 range. So Coastal is a team that I've got ninth in the preseason that not a whole lot of national analysts are talking about right now. We certainly differ on that. I had a top 10 group of five team in my – Uh, top 10 in my ballot. I had Cincinnati at number nine. I feel really good about that. I think Cincinnati is the team heading into next season that is going to kind of ride the wave of what it did last year. They bring back almost their entire two deep as well, including quarterback Desmond Ritter, kind of the heart and soul of that offense. I'm a little bit worried about the the Marcus Freeman loss from Cincinnati to Notre Dame as DC. That's, That's one reason that I had Cincinnati at 11 just outside the top 10, just because, you know, outside of Luke Fickle, he's the best coach at Cincinnati. So losing him was pretty big in my opinion. Yeah, Marcus Freeman's unquestionably a big loss. He's a future head coach in Notre Dame's essentially. He didn't steal him, but right. Notre Dame beating out LSU for Marcus Freeman's services, I think it's one of the more underrated storylines of the offseason. But Luke Fickle had a really big hand in that defense as well. It's not as if it was solely sure. Marcus Freeman's show. And I just feel really good about the Bearcats which is why I had them in the top 10. But I actually had my second highest group of five team, and I guess we could kind of make this the group of five section of the podcast, was Louisiana, actually. I jumped Louisiana from 21 to 18, and I did not have Coastal ranked. I think you could strongly argue that Coastal should have been ranked for me, maybe in that 24 to 25 range, but I'm really bullish on the Raging Cajuns heading into next year. The interesting part about both of those teams is they miss each other on the 2021 schedule. Unlike this year when they played in the regular season and for a Sunbelt title. Louisiana and Coastal Carolina would not meet until the Sunbelt championship game. But Louisiana brings back more experience than I believe anybody in the country, according to ESPN's um, returning production rankings. 96% of their overall offensive and defensive essentially um, tackles, rushing yards, receiving yards are back. That's the most in the country. And the way that program has been built by Billy Napier and the way they recruit, they are just kind of reloading. They are also bringing in a number of notable kind of power five transfers to bolster that roster. And I, I just am really high on Louisiana heading into next year. It's nothing against Coastal. Like Coastal would have been the fourth G5 team in my rankings. I actually had Liberty. I had a Coastal as well. And Liberty's another program. And the Coastal hate is strong. 
Yeah, I mean, I just, I hate those mullets, man, is what it comes down to. It's just not a fashionable choice. Speaking of the Palmetto State, Chris, where did you have Clemson inside your preseason top 10? I had Clemson at number three in my most updated rankings. I jumped them a spot. Do you want to get into a little bit about why uh, Clemson yeah. might be a little high? Yeah, that, that that sounds good to me. I, I had them, uh, I rose them one spot in the poll to number two. I thought about putting them one, but just with, you know, DJ being a first-year starter, I held off on it, but... And I tell you what, man, Clemson had a very good January. A lot of guys who were kind of iffy about the draft were coming back. And Darian Kendrick deciding to, you know, come back for his senior season means Clemson has 11 starters back on defense and did not lose Brent Venables to a head coaching job. So, I mean, Clemson's cleaning up this last, you know, five or six weeks or so. I think the news that went a little under the radar is Justin Ross is coming back uh, for another season. He missed the entirety of the 2020 season with a pretty scary injury. But I think one of the biggest issues for Clemson last year was the lack of a dynamic kind of receiver on the outside. And if Justin Ross is fully healthy, he solves that for Clemson. And we saw with DJ Uyongalele that they are going to be just as good without Trevor Lawrence under center, at least. And uh, Clemson's really scary heading into next year. I might have Clemson a little too low, personally. I'm um, looking forward, too, to seeing the debut of Will Shipley. You know, a, a guy a lot of our recruiting analysts have compared to Christian McCaffrey. Probably not going to start, but he's certainly going to get some carries as a five-star true freshman. So, you know, Clemson's only up and up again. And obviously Dabo's elite recruiting classes these last couple of years is continuing to pay off. Yeah, speaking, let's let's transition off of that and we'll talk about a program that maybe has had some recruiting struggles as it tries to reach that status of elite is Florida. I personally had Florida, uh, I believe, 14th in my poll. Brad, you dropped them from 9th to 12th. Um, what, can you kind of break down why you're maybe not as high on Florida as you were about a month ago? You know, you sort of touched on it. It was a very underwhelming signing class to me. I think our 24-7 sports composite has Florida 13th nationally for 2021. I believe that's fifth or sixth in the SEC after Dan Mullen last season signed a top 10 class. And normally, Chris, after you win the SEC East and, you know, you, you finish, let's, let's face it, had they beaten Bama, they might have been the first two-loss team in the playoff. You know, normally that's very good recruiting momentum and it, it shows up in your class. But there were a lot of guys late, you know, in the recruiting season before the early signing period that the Gators did not close on. And I found that a little bit surprising. You know, couple that with December and the coaching rumors with, with Mullen being interested, you know, whether or not he was an NFL job, who knows. But just just sort of a uh, strange offseason, you know, since that loss to Bama. They sort of relaxed in the bowl game and, and got blown out by a very good Oklahoma team. So, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think Florida's top 10 material to open 2021 here in a few months, but I've got them 12th, and that's three spots lower, like you said. Speaking of recruiting battles that they lost, like a guy like Terry and Arnold, who was a five-star safety for 24-7 sports, Florida was considered the leader for quite a while for Terry and then Alabama came in late and won that battle on National Signing Day. And that's the type of that's the type of head-to-head thing that you need to pull out if you're Florida in the long run. And you could argue Florida actually ended up finishing third in that recruitment behind Georgia as well. And when you consider that Kyle Trask is gone, Kadarius Toney, Kyle Pitts, Driven Grimes, like they're losing a ton offensively. And that defense under Todd Grantham is still, I think, a point of question. So I think Florida has a lot more questions uh, than answers heading into 2020 so far. Brad, I believe... Speaking of kind of those big blue bread programs that Texas was a program you want to discuss a little bit, you had them 23 in your first uh, kind of go around and then you jumped them all the way to 15. 
Uh, why are you so high on the Longhorns? Yeah, man, positive eight spots for Texas. I think the first time we submitted our rankings, Sark may have had two or three assistant coaches hired. Since then, he's you know pretty much filled out his staff w- w- with a very impressive list. I mean, let's face it, he pretty much rated a few of Nick Saban's best assistants, not only top recruiters, but top on-field guys, too. I think you know the, the Kyle Flood addition is huge for Texas. You know, you kind of look at what Texas has coming back roster-wise. It's not like he's inheriting a program that you know had a losing season or – it's just, a, you know, a lot of pieces away from a Big 12 championship. I mean, Texas has a very good roster. Bajon Robinson is probably going to be on some early Heisman buzz next season after he has, you know, a buck 50 his first three games or something every every start. So I think it's an offense that's going to be very good. Even without Sam Ellinger, I think, you know, maybe they, they add the more athletic piece at quarterback next season. So Sarah's going to have a very good first year. I think they're top 15 material. Don't know where they're going to finish, you know, in December, but um, Texas is a team with a lot of hype, and I think Longhorn fans right now should be pretty excited about 2021. Yes, yeah, subtly, I actually think the most interesting assistant hire that Steve Sarkeesian made was Jeff Banks. Not only is yeah. Jeff Banks one of the nation's best recruiters, but Texas has been just hilariously awful at times on special teams, uh, essentially since Mac Brown retired, both under Charlie Strong and under Tom Herman. So if Jeff Banks can help alleviate some of those woes, like Texas is going to win another game just based on special teams alone. I personally, was a little lower on Texas. I had them at 19. I live in Austin. I'm around this program a lot. And I'm just a little more cautious after maybe some of these hiccups the last few years. The talent is there, as you said. I think Hudson Card or Casey Thompson can step in right away and ably fill the shoes of Sam Ellinger. If it's a guy like Hudson Card, I actually think uh, the offense might thrive a little bit in certain areas, especially deep passing that Sam Sterling in. So I think Texas has potential to make a run in the Big 12, but I'm, I'm going to be a little cautious with them. You know, you mentioned your, your proximity to Austin and how you're pretty close to the program. I, I live in North Carolina, and you know the Tar Heels are a team that I grew up watching on Jefferson Pilot Sports long before all these mega cable networks. And for, you know, the ballots that have UNC as a borderline top five team, I just don't see it, man. I've I've got them 10th in my latest poll. I've watched Tar Heel teams that were very talented lose to, you know, Virginia and Florida State. Like, that shouldn't have happened last season. And until UNC, you know, cleans up on those teams that they're favored to beat, I think it's a team that they were at 3,500, I think 13th on our list of, of title contenders. And that's a team that I would be wary of because outside of Sam Howell, there are spots that you kind of question for UNC yeah. next season. North Carolina, obviously, they lost their two leading uh, running backs, their leading receiver in Devonnie Brown. Uh, they brought in Ty Chandler from Tennessee to kind of help with the running back room. I think some of the bullishness with North Carolina, though, has a lot to do with the way they've recruited. North Carolina is going to be really young along the defensive line, but when you yep. bring in a guy like Keyshawn Silver, you have Desmond Evans from last year, that unit has a chance to be really good. Sam Howell's among the nation's best returning quarterbacks. And they have young talent on that roster at the skill positions. Josh Downs, freshman receiver that we saw blow up in the bowl game, I think is a future superstar. So I think North Carolina is a chance. And this is your window if you're going to be Clemson. You have Sam Howell sure. Jr. DJ Uyongale is a first-year starting quarterback in the, kind of the ACC. So this is the, this is the opportunity for North Carolina to do it. Um, to close, I want to circle back to the Big 12 real quick. Just briefly talk about Iowa State. I had them at 10 in my first kind of rankings, and I bumped them all the way to six in these most updated rankings. And that's largely due to the fact that Iowa State brings back pretty much everybody. Brock Purdy decided to come back. Greg Eisworth, the three-time all-Big 12 selection, and the secondary decided to come back. 
Charlie Kohler, an All-American tight end, decided to come back. So I, I put them all the way at six. I think they're on the precipice of being in college football playoff legitimate contention. Brad, I'm just wondering as we close this out, what do you think Iowa State's ceiling is this year? Yeah, one thing about Iowa State, man, they were the easiest bet all of bowl season. I mean, how the Cyclones opened it at minus three and a half against an inconsistent Oregon team, that was the easiest money I made in December, man. But but yeah, getting back to your original question, I mean, they're they're loaded on offense. They're obviously well coached on the other side of the ball. Matt Campbell just signed a mega extension that, you know, probably keeps him in Ames for the next decade or so, unless somebody really throws a lot of money and is willing to pay a massive buyout. But Iowa State's another team too, Chris, that, you know, you, you kind of mentioned windows with, with UNC. Oklahoma's going to be good next year. Texas is coached by, you know, a first-year guy and, and Steve Sarkeesian. So I think Iowa State has to take advantage of that opportunity next season. And it's a team right now that I'd probably pick to win the Big 12. Yeah, the window is wide open in Ames. And I think, honestly, unfortunately for Matt Campbell and the Cyclones, I would argue that Oklahoma's positioned to have their best team since 2016, that team that went on the run in the playoffs with Baker, lost to Georgia in overtime after defense totally collapsed in the second half. I I really do think this Oklahoma team is that good. And I think this is going to be the most competitive kind of race in the Big 12 that we've seen in a long time, especially at the top. So it'll be a really interesting uh, conference to follow. But anyway, uh, Brad, thanks so much for joining me today on the College Football Daily, man. Always fun to talk a little ball. And for if you have any suggestions for topics for the College Football Daily, please do let us know in the comment section uh, with a five-star review. We'd love to tackle any topics uh, fans want to hear about in the offseason. Thanks so much. Bye.